We've been in 2 Timothy looking at a passage where Timothy is being encouraged not to be ashamed of the gospel nor of the imprisonment of the Apostle Paul, but rather hold fast to that which is true and be partakers of the sufferings that are associated with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is about ready to die. He tells us in 2 Timothy 4, verse 6, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure has come. He says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. So Paul has lived faithfully to the very end. Paul is readying Timothy to take over the responsibilities after Paul dies. And as Paul readies Timothy for this great responsibility, he tells Timothy that his greatest responsibility is to prepare others <clears throat> to take over for him, just as Timothy, uh, just as Paul had prepared Timothy to take over for Paul. This morning we are at really what is a crux of 2 Timothy, these first two verses of chapter 2. It says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have learned from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust the faithful men who will teach others also. This is one sentence. This is one great charge that Paul is giving to Timothy. Paul is saying to Timothy, how should you respond to all that's taking place? For he tells Timothy that everyone has forsaken him that are in Asia, but yet Onesiphorus has remained faithful to Paul, as we saw last week. So what is Timothy to do in light of that knowledge? He's addressing Timothy, and he's addressing Timothy in a rather emphatic way says in chapter 2, verse 1, you then. But uh, in the original, it's you. You yourself. It is singling out what is Timothy's personal responsibility in light of what is going on in the life of Paul and others. And that is that he is to pass on the faith to the next generation. And I submit to you that that is ultimately the great responsibility of the church of God. It's the great responsibility of every church in every age. That is that we pass on the faith to the next generation, to faithful people who then are going to be able to teach others also and pass that faith on to the ensuing generation. Each generation readying the next generation to pass on the faith and to carry out the work of God. Our thought this morning is, how is that to be accomplished? Let us look at 2 Timothy 1 and 2 for that answer. First, Timothy is to trust in God's grace and remain faithful to the Lord. It says in chapter 2, verse 1, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul had entrusted the ministry of God's word to Timothy. In 2 Timothy 1, 14, Paul writes, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Paul had entrusted Timothy with preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Timothy is to hold on to what Paul had taught 
and what Paul had modeled for Timothy. Chapter 1, verse 13. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. King James translates that, hold fast the form of sound words. The idea there is to keep it before you. Don't lose it, and don't depart from it. Continue to adhere to my teaching after I am God. This pattern of sound words is both the message and the way that life is to be lived in accordance with that message. There are two obstacles that Timothy has to face. The first obstacle are fear of the consequences of holding on to that pattern that Paul has set. Notice verses 7 and 8 of chapter 1. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, of love, and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering of the gospel by the power of God. So Timothy, don't be afraid. Don't shrink back. Don't give up, but pursue and hold on till the very end of your life. The second temptation that he is going to face is that of cynicism. Notice 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. Timothy, you know that the church of Ephesus has pretty much abandoned me. You are aware of that. But keep in mind Onesphorus. Keep in mind that there is this faithful individual. You see, it's easy to become cynical in life. To ask the question, what good is it? Why do I bother? And when we see people that fall by the wayside, it can be very discouraging. Paul is in prison. It's very easy to ask the question, what has Paul's faithfulness got him? Answer, a prison cell. What has Paul's ministry produced? Answer, a church that no longer wants anything to do with him. It's easy to grow cynical. It's easy to get to the place to say, what's the, what's the use? Why bother? Throw up one's hands. So now we move into a portion of Scripture that emphasizes faithfulness. Faithfulness. And Timothy must express that faithfulness first. Verse 2 of chapter 2. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men. Timothy is to hold on to what Paul had faithfully modeled to Timothy. Chapter 1, verse 13. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Now turn with me to 2 Timothy 3.10. Paul is talking about a bunch of false teachers. And then he changes the subject in 2 Timothy 3.10. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. 
In all these things, Timothy, you have followed me. And that was the right thing. That was the behavior that Paul was looking for. To adhere to not just the teaching, but his conduct. Paul's aim in life. Paul's faith. Paul's patience. Paul's love. And Paul's steadfastness. So Timothy's to hold on to the very end. However, in guarding and holding on to what Paul has taught Timothy does not mean that Timothy should now keep these things to himself. Uh, He is not to withdraw from the world. Uh, He's not to bury in the ground this great deposit of the gospel that's entrusted to him. Okay, He's not supposed to just kind of hug on to it and make sure that no one can wrestle it away from him, but rather he's to pass it on. He is to entrust this gospel to other people. Notice verse 2 of chapter 2. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men. All right? Now, just as Paul had entrusted the gospel to Timothy, Timothy has to entrust the gospel to others, to people that are faithful. Faithful. So number two, Timothy is to hand over what has been taught to others who are faithful. And the emphasis is on faithfulness. This requires discernment on the part of Timothy. Discernment to realize that not all are faithful. Not all are faithful to the teaching of the Word of God. And Paul is going to unpack these things in the verses that follow. But if you look at 2 Timothy 2.16, 2 Timothy 2.16, But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. And their talk will spread like gangrene, among whom are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. So here are unfaithful people to the word of God, and they have changed the word, and they have said that the resurrection has already happened, meaning the resurrection of the dead. And of course, that is still yet future. And it says, and they have overthrown the faith of some. So not all are faithful to the word. And then secondly, not are all faithful in their conduct. Notice 2 Timothy 3, starting at verse 6. For among them are those who creep into houses and capture weak women, burdened with sins, led away by various passions, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. But it's just as John... Jonas and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. So these men are disqualified in the manner in which they are living, the manner in which they are conducting themselves. They no longer are able to be teachers of the word. Some have disqualified themselves because they changed what the word taught. Others disqualified themselves by their actions, by their sinfulness, by the way in which their lives do not live out in agreement with what the Word of God teaches. 
So Timothy needs to have discernment about those who are faithful. Timothy must not become cynical. As he looks around and sees the faithlessness of many, he is not to conclude that faithfulness cannot be found. Kind of like the Elijah complex. No one else is serving the Lord when there were thousands who had not yet bowed their knee to Baal. In 2 Timothy 2.19, Paul writes, But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows them who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. The Lord knows who belongs to him and who doesn't. The Lord is aware of who is faithful and who is not. In the visible church, that is, those that make profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the visible church, that is, the people who gather together to worship, are made up of two groups of people. People who know the Lord and people who don't know the Lord. People who are faithful and people who are unfaithful. Look at 2 Timothy 2.20. Now, in a great house, here the church is being compared to a huge house. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. In this great house, there's going to be all kinds of instruments, some which will bring glory to the house and some which will bring dishonor to the house. Paul is saying to Timothy, so too is the kingdom of God. You're going to find that there are many who are not faithful. But don't let that discourage you or prohibit you from entrusting to faithful men this work to go forward. Don't become cynical. Don't begin to say, well, there's no one who is really following the Lord. No, there will always be a people. Because the Lord has this foundation. The Lord knows those who are his. There are those that Christ is redeeming. There's those in whom God is at work. There will be faithful men. It doesn't say if there are faithful men. He says entrust to faithful men. For Paul knows there will be because of the adequacy of the gospel. As I said, that faithfulness extends to conduct and belief. Paul serves as a supreme example of one who was faithful to the end. If you look at 2 Timothy 3.10... Second Timothy 3.10. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Verse 13, while evil people and imposters 
will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Notice the contrast. Paul says, look at my life. By the grace of God, I have been faithful in all these things, while at the same time, evil people are growing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now the application, verse 14 of chapter 3. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how that from a child you've been acquainted with the sacred things which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Timothy, look at the people who have taught you. Learn from not just what they have taught you, but learn from how they have lived. Examine their conduct. Paul keeps saying, what you have learned from me. What you have learned from me. Because you know how I have lived. You know how I have conducted myself. In chapter 1, Paul talks about Timothy's faith that came from his... uh, Mother Eunice, and from his grandmother Lois. Timothy, you know who you have learned these things from. You have learned them from faithful people. And so the emphasis is that Timothy is to hand over to faithful men who, uh, what he has been taught, who in turn will be able to teach still others. Notice, Verse 2 of chapter 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What is the priority here is faithfulness. Faithfulness is what is being emphasized. Entrust to faithful men. Faithfulness comes first. This entrusting is a process that's exemplified in Paul's entrusting the gospel to Timothy. It includes the ideas of identifying those who are faithful and who can become ready to teach others also. Which means that, number one, they must be people of faith. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you. Okay, Before Paul entrusted the gospel to Timothy, he was sure that Timothy was in the faith. Number two, they must be people who are gifted, called of God, those in whom the Spirit of God is working. 2 Timothy 1.6, for this reason... I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. It was quite evident that God was at work in the life of Timothy. And he is to look for faithful men in whom the Spirit of God is at work. They must be people who are to be recognized, given authority, and placed in positions of leadership. 2 Timothy 1.6 For this reason I remind you to flame into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying out of my hands. So this gift, this responsibility of the gospel, was given to Timothy as Paul laid his hands upon Timothy, meaning that he was authorizing Timothy, placing him in a position of responsibility and duty to carry on the work of God. 
And from that time forward, Timothy is an emissary for Paul, going to various places and, and ministering. He was being entrusted with the gospel. And they must be people who are enabled by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So find faithful men. And then secondly, this also includes the idea of preparing people for the task. In 2 Timothy 2.2, it says, And the things, and that which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So often in the scripture, it's the little things that are extremely important. And I'd like you to now note something that's very easy to miss. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. That phrase, entrust the faithful men. And now notice the next statement. Who will be able to teach others also? King James translates it, who shall be able to teach others also. New American Standard, who will be able to teach others also. 2 Timothy 2.2 NIV, who will also be qualified to teach others. All translate the same way, because this is a future. I want you to ask yourself the question, what would be the difference if this verse read, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust the faithful men who are able to teach others also. What's the difference between who are able and who will be able? The difference is this responsibility of preparing others to pass on the gospel. Timothy is not to look for people that are already prepared, already to take this ministry over. They can just step in on day one and carry on, but Timothy has the responsibility to find people who are faithful. That's the prerequisite. You must be faithful now. Timothy, don't entrust the gospel to people who aren't, who aren't faithful. Don't set people up to be teachers who aren't faithful. Sometimes people think that a good way to produce faithfulness in others is to give them responsibility, which, to a large measure, that's true. But you're not to create faithfulness in others by making them teachers and hoping they'll become faithful. No. No. Faithfulness comes first. That's in the present tense. Find people who are faithful. And once you have found faithful men, then find among them people who will be adequate teachers. 
prepare them. Get them ready to become teachers, to become ready to pass on the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Timothy is not to look for men who are already ready. He is to make them ready. That's the work that we have to do, to prepare people, to ready them for the time in which they are off the scene. Now, if we look at Timothy's life, and I'm not going to spend the time to do that, but we would see that there is a tremendous amount of mentoring that goes on between Paul and Timothy. A lot of instruction, a lot of modeling. Paul refers to Timothy as a son in the faith, uh, laboring alongside Paul. Timothy spent a lot of time in Paul's presence long before Paul sent Timothy out to Philippi and Ephesus and other places. He was right by his side, but eventually Paul sent him out. Eventually, Paul entrusted him with great responsibility. But even here, even in the book of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, it is a book primarily of addressing Timothy to ready him for when Paul dies. It is a book that is filled with, first of all, admonition. Timothy, be on guard. Timothy, hold on. It is telling Timothy to guard by the grace of God that is given to you. Timothy is exhorted. He's admonished by Paul. Continue to hang in there. Timothy, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Don't become cynical. There's the admonition. Then there's also the instruction. As Paul is going to be telling Timothy exactly what to do. The steps to take. And we'll see that in weeks to come. And then thirdly, there is encouragement of telling Timothy that this is well worth it. And that it is responsible. And that uh, there's going to be reward in the future. All that is necessary. All that is important as we ready the next generation, admonishing them, instructing them, encouraging them. This is mentoring, discipling, training, modeling the relationship that Paul had to Timothy. Now Timothy is to establish that same relationship with others. So some concluding thoughts this morning. First, Every Christian leader is called to equip people to take their place when they're off the scene. Okay? Every person ought to see that as an important element of their service to God. And I don't care what it is that you're doing in God's kingdom. I don't care how he has gifted you and what responsibilities that you occupy, but whatever they are, they're important. They're necessary. They are useful in the kingdom. And I would just challenge you with this first thought. Who are you readying to take over your, your position? Who have you earmarked? Who are you working with? Who are you instructing? Who are you admonishing? Who are you encouraging to take over the responsibility that you now have? Who is that person?
Every Christian leader has that responsibility. I believe that that is our primary responsibility. I believe that as a pastor that my primary ministry must be to get people ready to take over when I'm gone. That you don't miss a beat. And that you just continue on in faithfulness to the word of God. But in order for that to happen, there's a process. And the first step in that process is our own faithfulness. Our own faithfulness. We must remain faithful to the end. We must, conserve, we must continue to serve Christ. We must continue to honor him. We must continue to guard our conduct. We must remain faithful to God if we are going to teach that faithfulness to another generation. Paul said, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. We must finish our course. We must keep our faith. Before Timothy is to pass it on, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Before he ever talks about passing it on, he says, Timothy, hold on. Timothy, don't be afraid. Timothy, don't be discouraged. Timothy, persevere to the end. So we must be faithful. Faithful to God's word and faithful in our own lives and conduct. Secondly, the next step is we must identify those in turn who are faithful. Those in whom the spirit of God is working. Which means that we must not become cynical. We must not give up. As though we are the last hurrah. We are the last people on the face of this earth who are, are faithful. You know, sometimes I hear my generation talking about the next generation. And sometimes talking about the next generation in a rather derogatory sense. As, where is the faithfulness? Where is the committedness? Where is the godliness? Look around you. Don't become cynical. Yes, you can find loads of examples of ungodliness and unfaithfulness. And you can in our generation. Don't be cynical by those who do not remain faithful. But be encouraged, be strengthened, be, in, be heartened by those people who are faithful. And the foundation remains secure. The Lord knows those who are his. The gospel is effective. The grace of God is real. The same grace that has worked in our lives will be the grace that works in our children's lives, in our grandchildren's lives, in our great-grandchildren's lives. It isn't if... There may be some faithful people in the future, but Timothy entrusts to faithful people. They will be there. They will be there. 
identify them, encourage them, hand over responsibility to them. Don't guard it by holding fast, guard it by giving it away and equipping that next generation. Identifying those whom God is raising up, saving, calling, gifting. And then we must entrust them with leadership and responsibility. To entrust is the present, not future. Entrust to them now so that they will be able in the future to teach others also. Um, you've got to be handing over responsibility, as Paul was handing over responsibility to Timothy. We must be giving responsibility to the next generation. Placing them in places of responsibility, places of leadership. And then further training them, not just let them out to hang, but continue to develop them, continue to encourage them, continue to admonish them, and continue to instruct them. I view this passing on the faith much like passing the baton. So if I can use that analogy for a moment and think of the Christian life as a relay race, when I think of the Christian life as a relay race, each leg must run their leg faithfully in order to pass on the baton. If we don't finish our leg, there's nobody to pass it on to. We've got to finish our course. We must remain faithful. In passing that baton, there's a brief moment when both runners hold that baton. There is a brief moment in that exchange when the person who's handing off and the person who is receiving both have their hand on that baton. In the Christian life, it's much more than just a moment. It's a process of handing off, but it is a lengthy process of getting that next person ready and passing it off. And in that process... It's absolutely essential that we don't drop the baton. That we don't drop the baton. And there are two big risks in running a relays and passing the baton. The first is to let go of that baton too early. to approach the next runner and they put out their hand and you, you kind of just drop it or, or let it go into their hand and it's going to fall. You've got to hold on to it till you've made the switch. We must prepare the next generation. You just can't throw it at them. That's our duty, our responsibility. And the second great danger in running a relay race is when you hand off if you hold on to it too long. If you don't let it go, 
If you don't just slap it down in that hand and then take your hand off. We must be careful of holding on to the baton too long. Of not recognizing the people that God is raising up and entrusting them with that responsibility and just let them take over. Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, you've got to be passing this baton. Just as I have passed to you, you need to be passing it on. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Let us be looking for people who are faithful and then taking those people who are faithful and training them, equipping them, enabling them so that they will be ready to teach, that they will be ready to foster. But the faithfulness is so important because it's not just about ability. It's not just look for people who have a talent or a gift, but people when they exercise that talent or the gift, that people when they teach will be teaching the word of God. Faithfully, the same word that they received will be the same word that they pass on to the next generation. Faithful to the teaching and faithful in their conduct, their behavior, in their morality, in their godliness. Faithfulness. 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 Look for faithful people. And then prepare them. For that's the kind of people you want. Faithful teachers. Faithful to the word. And faithful in their conduct. For if they are not faithful to the word. Or faithful in their conduct. They will discredit the word of God. They will bring dishonor to God. Like the vessel in the house. And they will not be passing on to the next generation. The faith as we know it. So let us, as a people of God, dedicate ourselves, individually and corporately. Individually, may we look for people that we can prepare to take our individual place. Each person looking for people that they can pass on their particular ministry and giftedness to. People that God has called, people that God has saved, people that God has raised up, people that God has gifted, people in whom the Spirit of God is at work. And as a church, may we see our primary duty and responsibility of passing on the faith to the next generation so that they can pass the faith on to the ensuing generation. There is nothing more important for us to do. That is our God-given task. May God enable us to do it. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word. and We thank you, Lord, that in the midst of a world in which we see a tremendous amount of unfaithfulness, Lord, we are grateful that we also see faithful people. We also see the power of the gospel at work the power of your grace, the power of your spirit, 
O God, there will always be faithful people, for you are a faithful God. You will not deny yourself. Your gospel is powerful. Your spirit brings conviction. Lord, we stand fast, not because of our own strength, but we are strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, even as Timothy was. So, Lord, give us courage. Give us boldness. Lord, may we not see our responsibility as just to hold on to this, what we've been entrusted to, and guard it and keep it and don't share it with anybody so that it isn't going to be tampered with. But Lord, help us to realize that if we don't pass it on, if we don't equip the next generation, uh, Lord, it, it, it comes to an end at that point. Help us to, to look with great joy and expectation. Take delight in equipping the next generation to take over. And uh, Lord, may we willingly, lovingly, joyfully, excitedly, and in praise and honor and glory to Jesus Christ, pass on uh, the work that you have given us to do that they might do it and uh, do it well. So bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.